Welcome to the Raise Podcast. I'm Carol Barwick. We're here to raise your confidence and inspire your creativity. Each episode, we will have a different guest who will be discussing our Raise Word. The Raise Word is a word that will encourage you or empower you and at times inspire you to explore the word a little more for yourself. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Raised Podcast. I'm Carol Barwick. We've looked at lots and lots of different words um, in season three, um, but this, I think, is going to be one of my favourite. Today, we're going to look at the word music, and we're talking to Daniele de Lissandri. Have I said it right, then? Yeah, pretty much. So it's Daniele de Lissandri. Yeah. Just kind of blend it all together. Love you know, it's kind it. of musical in itself, isn't it? It's a bit of a, a, a lyrical name, but I'm going to call yeah. you Dan from now yeah, on. Yeah, Dan is fine. That's what most, <laughs> well, most people call me DJ Dan. Everywhere I go, they kind of say, it's DJ Dan. So, um, but that's fine. That's what like young people call me and things. And it's it's easy just to remember I'm, that. I'm then, probably not street enough to call you DJ Dan the whole <laughs> you way You could call me that. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome. Dan, before we get into the multiple um, things that you're doing uh, with music, can you tell me, and I mean, can you tell me, what does the word music mean to you? It's, yeah, it's it's a big question because um, music has uh, such an important part of everyone's lives in different ways. People engage with music in so many different ways, don't they? Yeah. Um, for me, um, and it, it's a bit of a cliche to say this, but music is life. And I think that's for everyone. I mean, you can think about how we consume music, how we engage with music how we participate in music um it really is a, just a huge part of our lives isn't it Ev everywhere we go it's you can't you can't get away from it can you whether you're watching television um see in the car listening to music in the car at the gym in the supermarkets wherever it's just it's just everywhere and it's just a huge huge part of our life and for me um I, i've kind of how i've kind of approached this is to kind of split it into into three areas. So for me, I'd say that music is obviously life. It's a huge part of my life. It's uh, it's living. It's how I make a living out of music, and it's it's a love, a love of mine, you could say. Um, and I, yeah, I, I kind of say it's like probably one of the, the biggest loves alongside my obviously my family, my wife, and my children. Yeah. Um, I really am fascinated by music and how it's made, how it's performed, um, and what, what it can do to people. So how it can kind of how it can change how we feel, how it increases our mood, our hormones, our endorphins, how it excites people in so many different ways. So, um, and yeah, I see firsthand what it can do to people. I'm quite, I think I'm quite lucky to um, have made a living out of it. And I can see what an effect it has on people, whether I'm sort of teaching music to people, uh, performing music as a DJ at events and um, weddings and clubs and bars and things and really see how it, how it moves people um because i yeah i love to share my my love of music to to other people really so and i don't know for me it's it's all i've ever wanted to do um um as, as a young person growing up there wasn't really anything else i could ever imagine doing and um yeah it's the only thing i really kind of knew and understood um and i'm yeah i think i'm quite blessed that I've, I've managed to make a life from it so um as as you have as well carol so yeah Mm -hmm. Super. What a great answer. Um, just before we I'd like to get into um, 
how music first came into your life. Um, but before we do that, I'm going to ask a question um, that most people absolutely hate. I always get told off when I ask this question. And I did ask you the question prior to the podcast, but only just because of the bigness of the question. But what's your favourite piece of music? My favourite piece of music? And yeah, that's that's something I ask to people a lot um, yeah. when I approach... For example, I do a lot of DJ workshops and music production workshops and things. And it's kind of, what music are you into? What do you like? And um, my favourite piece of music, if I was going to boil it down to, to one, um, I'd probably say it's uh, the track by Massive Attack, Unfinished yeah. Sympathy. Oh, yeah. Um, and it's, just, and it's, it's, it's kind of one of uh, lots of people's favourite tracks. So it's, I'm not just jumping on a bandwagon, but it really is an amazing piece of music. And every time you hear that, the introduction... There's just a couple of beats at the beginning and it just goes into into the drum beat and you hear like the percussion and you hear everything and it just it just really kind of um lifts me up you could say and it kind yeah. of just it captures my attention immediately um there's there's loads of other tracks um i could name which um really kind of inspired me with with my music and my music making and um but yeah that's just one track that um i absolutely love and i know loads of other people do and so yeah that's what I think it is. That's great. As I said, I always get told off, Dan, because I say to people, what's your favourite song, particularly being in a choir? And and I think I expect people to just say, oh, it's this. And they always say, don't ask me to choose one. I, I don't know what song. I like lots of different songs. I like this because I like opera and I like this because I like house music. And, I, and yeah. then I think, yeah, I don't know if I could name my favourite song. I think the song that um has probably speaks the most to me and is the most carol is sing by my chemical romance that kind mm. of sing it from the heart sing it till you're nuts sing it out yeah. till the world <laughs> hate your guts that's very poor lyrics um mm. but um but it's, it's, yeah. it's each to their own isn't it yeah, i think so music music is so personal and you can't you can't really say oh no that's that's rubbish i mean yeah. it's it's subjective isn't it really so and it's kind of what one person likes isn't necessarily what someone else likes and it's uh, no, no one can tell you it's it's wrong. It's not. Yeah. It's 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 personal. It's yours, isn't it? And it's, it's kind of comparable to like food taste. If someone's like, oh, I don't like, I don't know, I don't like cheese. You're not gonna kind of go, no, that's that's wrong. You, that's that's incorrect. You have to like cheese. So it's kind of it's personal. It's pers people's preferences and um and people like music in di different ways. It's kind of when depending what mood you're in, um, what the weather's like outside and yeah. where you are. Uh, if you're in the car, whatever it's. Um, it just, yeah, it's, it's for all occasions. All different yeah. Places. And it does, it, it, it changes, doesn't it? We, um, we used to do something at, at choir. We've not done it, uh, because we are a bit, a bit of a shorter time limit now, but, um, something called pick of the week and mm -hmm. each choir member would say a song and we all had to listen to it and it didn't matter what our musical tastes were. We all had to listen to it. And sometimes they would say, um, kind of what it meant to them, but what it meant for us was we got to know the choir member. A little bit and uh hmm. it was a and also it was a tolerance thing as well and i used to do it with my youth choir because you're right we're not we shouldn't say um well no that piece of music is rubbish but we do mm. we often do people mm. do and they say oh you're a young person you listen to my mum used to call it ticky ticky music Dan. <laughs> um we listen to ticky ticky music we've got it's got no uh you know no lyrics and no sense but for that young person it does you know mm -hmm. for that older person who's playing the in quotes 
boring music mm-hmm. for that older person it's bringing back something absolutely or it might be bringing back something you know how much they use music in in dementia yeah unlock yeah. something mm-hmm. so we don't we don't have any right to say no it's and it really does it really does unlock something in your brain yeah. I think. And, um if i um i listen to some music occasionally a song might pop on or um if i listen to like some old music that i used to listen to and, and it's literally like a time machine isn't it it will yeah. take you back to that moment in time um i mean in particular like when i first started going out clubbing and raving when i first went to university and i i hear some of that music now and it literally takes t- transports me back to being in that club it was gatecrasher in sheffield i used to go to yeah and there's some of the music it was just like and it really just it, it's, it's like you're there again it sounds a bit cheesy saying that but it really really does transport you back and um yeah just those feelings that you get um from that really i think it's it's really really powerful i think and it's um i don't know i think music is probably that people might disagree with this but it's probably one of the only art forms that you don't have to you don't have to sort of use your brain or anything to kind of to 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 appreciate it to consume it or anything like that you literally you just listen to music don't you whereas i don't know with draw drawing painting writing um even what, watching a film um reading a book you have to use your brain to kind of experience it i don't know whereas um with music you just you just kind of let it let it take over you if you know interesting what I mean. yeah. yeah it kind of yeah it can just wash over you kind of obviously when you're producing music writing music that's yeah. a different level but yeah when you're i know i do know exactly what you mean and, and when mm. you put the, the radio on the music is kind of there whereas mm. reading a book you have to actually read the words or drawing yeah. you have to do the draw I do I do understand so yeah, please don't yeah. send us hateful emails about not using the <laughs> brain for music we definitely yeah. use our brains <laughs> of course music. of course absolutely yeah <laughs> but, um, like, yeah but it's just yeah it's yeah absolutely together in so many ways and things yeah. and it's, it's just it's just a really really important part of our lives really isn't it so yeah um, and, but, and yeah. I wonder if that is why um for people that are like suffering with dementia or for people like myself who when I'm having a very bad day with my my uh, chronic illness music does kind of supersede all that you can Mm. get something from it there is that level of healing and connection where you don't have to do anything and yet you still get the benefit of it and I think that's really important and that's quite Mm. a key thing um Tell us a bit about what you do with music, Dan. How do you use it? Yeah, um, so I use music in a number of ways. And um, obviously, I'm a, I, I love listening to music. Um, I listen to music all the time, different styles of music, and um, it plays a big part of my life. I just love listening to music all the time. So, it's, um, But I, my, in terms of me making a living from it, so one of my words there is, uh, so living, so making a living from music, um i um in a number of ways so i'm I'm a dj and a music producer so um i perform in bars and clubs in in like leeds and west yorkshire mainly up in the north yeah. um i do uh, weddings and functions and a bit of corporate work so um and that's basically sort of play music either whether it's background music i work in a, a darts bar in leeds and just sort of play background music yeah. or i might be in a nightclub and it's hundreds of people dancing I would also put on my own nights with some of my friends, sort of bar nights, club nights, things like that. So, um, but alongside that, I produce my own music. So for a number of years, uh, I create music on music production software. My yeah. favorite one is Ableton, 
Mm-hmm. Which is one of the most popular ones, Ableton Live, and you can use it for producer music, and you can use it as a live performance tool. Um, and that's basically using like software-based instruments, sort of soft synths and um, plugins and drum machines to create music. But my, I love making dance music. That's one kind of genre of music that I really understand, and uh, I've learned to create over the years. Um, but so that's kind of um the djing in like clubs and bars and um my production of music that's kind of like a i I call it a professional hobby and but then i make a real living from teaching and passing on my my musical knowledge and skills to other people um and i kind of got into it um when was it about sort of i'd say about 10 years ago 12 12 years ago yeah i was working for an arts organization um funded by the arts council uh, originally it was called Cape UK and they were the the bridge organization for the Arts Council yeah. in the country and I was doing that um, before that I was working in like a call center I was working for an estate agency I was made redundant because of the housing crash but um, I saw this job as an administ- administrator for uh, an arts organization so I started working there and I learned more about the world of the arts this kind of landscape um how schools operate with arts and cultural organizations i was involved this um with a uh, an arts-based qualification for young people called arts award yeah. and i used to go out and train up people and for so many years so i was i was working with people who worked with young people yeah. and i was always a bit envious of them that they were working with young people and i really wanted to do that so yeah. i started volunteering at a local youth group um uh, where i was working gave me a couple of opportunities to do like a placement for a youth organization and um for a number of years i I could dj really well i could produce music really well so i started basically taking my dj decks down to a local youth group gained experience there and um and then shortly after that i set up a not-for-profit dj school in leeds and we used to go into schools, youth groups, um, used to go into prisons, like young young offenders institutes, yeah. um, into uh, SCND schools, and basically just rock up with a set of decks, with a load of music, and yeah. just basically teach people how to DJ. And um, it's one of the things with DJing, I'd say, with uh, other musical instruments, when you teach DJing, it is very accessible. So um, many people would be like, oh, I can't play the piano, I can't play any musical instruments, but with DJing, you can you can teach it relatively quickly. You can show people how to use the equipment and it can look quite daunting. If you look at a set of decks, there's lots of buttons, things flashing at you, uh, things that you have to press and turn and things like that. But once you get over the basic controls of a DJ deck, um, literally anyone can use it. They can yeah. be four years old up to 90 years old and it's um, I think people are often misunderstood what DJing is, that it's some sort of, um, you need to have a really high level of skill to be able to DJ. But I mean, ultimately it's playing music and playing music that you like and um, allowing people to take control of um, an activity or something musical, uh, something creative. And um, yeah, you're letting them be in control of the music. They can choose the music that they want to play. They can choose to play it for 30 seconds, for the length of a song. They can rewind it. They can manipulate it. You can mm. use effects. Um, and yeah, it's just really, really accessible. So um, so what I do now for a living, uh, a big part of my job is um, 
uh, I've since then I've left the DJ school and I've set up another organization called the Music Box, yeah, uh, based in Pudsey. And um, I run sort of after school clubs and I've got uh, I work in a high school every week on a Tuesday. I work in an academy in West Leeds and they've, they've really invested a lot of time and money into DJing and they've got a whole room dedicated for for DJing. They've got computers with DJ controllers and everything set up. That's good. And I, I literally just go in there every week. I've done it for five years and yeah. and um, teach young people how to DJ. So and I've worked with young people when they started with me in year seven right up to when they're doing their GCSEs. And now you can DJ for your DJ, uh, your GCSE performance element. Um, oh, that's you cool. You to... couldn't do that when I was a kid. <laughs> I know. Exactly. I really, I really wish they could. Um, but yeah, so I basically teach young people how to DJ. And the, actually the hardest part of this is getting them to go back to their lessons because they've only got 20 minutes with me, like in pairs. Oh, wow. That's my biggest obstacle is trying to get them back to their lessons because they just want to stay with me and, yeah, and but... DJ and play music and um they don't really see me as a teacher down there really, I yeah. guess. But um yeah, and it's just I I just love them engaging young people in in music in an alternative way and showing people that you can um engage in music um using DJ technology. Um or many of them now are really interested in um music production, like remixing songs. Yeah. yeah. How how the technology's developed, how the software has developed over the years. It's pretty remarkable what you can do these days. Um, even on a phone, on a smartphone, you can download music apps and you know, people can engage with music for free. Um, whereas when I first started, you had to spend quite a lot of money on, yeah. on the equipment and things. So, um, so yeah, so my, my job is now is basically teaching people, um, engaging people in music based activities using technology and, um, and it's just amazing. Yeah. I absolutely love it. And, um, everywhere I go and it's just, yeah, it's just basically teaching people um how to use music in a different way that says I think one of the words that comes to mind is is accessible actually Dan because I remember when I was in a band years ago mm-hmm. um probably probably about 25 years ago now maybe even more than that um and I remember we had one of those massive mixing desks <laughs> and uh my friend had a, a Ford Capri really like low wheelbase Ford Capri and we used to sit and then the the mixing desk would kind of go between us just before the um what's this called the window the dashboard that's the one yeah uh right squeezed in between us it was so big and then we'd have all the amps and things in the boot <laughs> yeah not yeah. anymore and I'm very relieved about that like but, like most technology it's got smaller it has got, got you think about phone crazy, mobile phones yeah. computers everything's got crazy smaller it's the same with with um with music equipment I guess and except for like guitars and things even our yeah. amps pretty much have stayed the same but yeah 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 and things but but also accessible in terms of you said you worked in a school where they've got a dedicated room yeah wonderful because Mm -hmm. still so much in education is you know the the three r's and maybe Mm -hmm. we'll do music now and again because it's nice Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. we know it's not nice it's not about that it's about the conversations that you have because you've made a connection with the young people Mm -hmm. it's about the expressive of being able to get thoughts and feelings out that you would not say to somebody mm. else but mm-hmm. you would put it in a rap or you would um put it into you know the types of music that you listen to it's about yeah. that isn't it and yeah. that making that accessible is so important and I 
I know um, about the Arts Council and it, and it was just so good to have things like that. And anybody listening that has got any influence in terms of funding for those kind of things, please keep working towards bringing those things back yeah. because that funding is just disappearing, isn't it? It really and, has, isn't it? I mean, when yeah. I first started doing it, there was a lot of lot more funding available, I think, yeah. for organisations and youth workers and youth services yeah. but it's really diminished over the years and it, i mean it is out there but you have to it's hard, much harder to get it's probably more competitive because there's less yeah uh less money out there you could say but um i mean we we set up the music box um this is myself and um kate uh, kate fraser who i work with and yeah. we've got a couple of other directors who who help us um decide what to do with with the business and to run ideas past but we we set it up um uh, one of the reasons was uh, where we live in West Leeds in, in Podsey, there was a huge problem and there still is really with antisocial behaviour yeah. um, in the area with, with young people with uh, with nothing to do. I said to say there's nothing to do. There's, yeah. there's always stuff for them to do. But um, so one of the things I wanted to do, set up the music box so that we could use music as a way to um, engage with young people and um, especially those who are at risk of uh crime or antisocial behavior yeah so we we're able to get some funding to set up a local youth group um which is still running now on a friday night in Pudsey. Right. and um there's about 50 50 young people who hang around in the park who to be honest can look quite intimidating yeah local residents are pretty scared of them um but once you get to know them once you yeah. get to um sort of work with them a bit um they're fine they're like any young people you could say so we set up this youth group and um so currently there's about 40 young people who come down every week Brilliant. we alternate one week we've got dj and then another, another week we've got a rapper who comes down um and it's a really good way of one building those relationships with those young people yeah. so that you can hopefully make a positive difference with them in the future and i like to think that if you can influence a generation that would then drip down to the next yeah, yeah. generation yeah. um and the one the things they like are, are music and and rapping and literally they all pile in every week and we give them microphones and we whack up the bass on on the speaker and for about an hour and a half they just love it and they're rapping or they're djing and I've, i think they we need to do more things like that it's just a shame that there isn't um more funding available it's not like a big part of um uh, other parts of the country and, and obviously it's a national problem I think with anti-social yeah behavior. yeah yeah it's, it's getting Can worse, I ask a worse yeah potentially challenging question but I think it's quite an interesting one what's the behavior like when they're in the in the room mm -hmm. like how do you find tolerance levels waiting turns because obviously you can't have 40 people on the mic at that I'm assuming no. <laughs> <laughs> can't have 40 people on the mic at the same mm -hmm. time um yeah how does it compare um, I'd say not not all of them are participating in the actual okay. activity so there's probably only about i mean out of 40 you've probably got maybe like half a dozen who actually would take the microphone yeah, who are yeah, confident yeah. rappers who've got experience doing it there's a rapper we bring down uh, a drill rapper a grime rapper called dialect Leeds yeah. based and um he basically he'll just start them off and start rapping play some of his songs show them a few things and a lot of them have got experience of rapping so they know what to as they would call spit bars so yeah, like, yeah, yeah. sort of improvise and um so that's that's one way of them engaging but everyone else is kind of listening they're mm -hmm. not they might not be directly engaging but they are kind of part of it they're part of the experience which i think is really important and the youth services so we work with lead city council youth services and they do more of the kind of awareness the kind of advising them about um maybe choices life choices suggesting things that they can do and they do other stuff uh, with them outside of the youth group as well if they identify 
people that um maybe vulnerable and um and then with a dj it's kind of like some people might just come and do it for like 10 minutes yeah, yeah. some people stay for the whole session and do it and again it's just um allowing people to um express them for, express themselves through the technology with the music that they like um some of the music is is kind of not the the most appropriate at times uh -huh. so we yeah. have to kind of maybe talk to them a little bit about yeah. that but um it's just letting them letting them um giving them a bit of free reign and again letting them um have have some control over what what they're doing uh, with the technology and with the music and um whereas in other places they're told that they can't do that like school they're not allowed to do that and yeah, um, yeah. so that's that's it's really good that they can come to our sessions um and engage in something positive yeah and i wonder how much the reason i asked is because you know young people particularly do get such a bad press and you do wish that people would see them in that environment and see that they can be tolerant they can wait they can be patient hmm. and they can just be quite frankly brilliant yeah. um and and why that is uh, uh, what the difference is and i think that that permission and i think music does do that it does give you permission and um, i know when i did choirs in schools um I, I used to say, you can sing, we can sing whatever song you would like, but you must be able to sing it in front of the, your parents and your mm -hmm. head teacher. Mm -hmm. um, because they would ask for things like LMFAO. And I'd say, but first of all, it's incredibly difficult to sing. <laughs> uh, and second of all, um, it, you know, the words are not, not going to be appropriate. And then the other only rule we had was that we wanted it to make us feel good in yeah. some way now i i totally get that with young people there may be a lot of songs a lot of swear words that make them feel good <laughs> and that's the that's the interesting bit isn't it yeah. um but i do wish that more people could see young people in that environment because they just they they flourish don't they they absolutely they do they really do and yeah it's it's important that they've got somewhere that they can go which they can sort of make make their own that they feel comfortable in that they can enjoy themselves and um i think i mean as you get a bit older i think it's somewhere you can go to sort of like nightclubs and you can go out and you can um you can socialize with friends whereas that that's sort of age in between sort of i don't know young teenagers to older teenagers it's not really where they can go um to kind of in, enjoy themselves and really uh, socialize really so um yeah, i think it's important that we have those youth groups and there is funding available for for more um more uh, engaging activities for them i'm loving talking to dan all about music of course raise is also a music project and we love all things music whether you're wanting to join our raise your voice choirs or you'd like a bespoke jingle to give you a confident and creative brand identity please get in touch with us on our socials either instagram or facebook Back to the episode. So, Dad, we've just been talking about um, young people and music. What got you into music? I mean, what, did you have like a musical family background? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I, I grew up in East London, and um, yeah, I'd, it, it's, it's very difficult to obviously pinpoint exactly when it was that I started engaging with music and sure. um i always remember my parents telling me that um my, my older sisters used to have piano lessons and um while they were having their lessons at the end of their lesson while they were still talking i used to go in and start messing around on the piano so my parents sort of saw 
that I was kind of more um so I was quite in quite into it I was quite fascinated by the piano and music in particular so um I, my background's Italian my dad's Italian so every year we used to travel to Italy for about four weeks we used to spend uh, up in northern Italy a city called Padova or Padua mm -hmm. where my, my my where my nonna lived and all my family my Italian family lived over there and on the way my parents used to listen to opera CDs classical music CDs so I was I basically just had to hear classical music and opera music all the time and it's, it's quite funny actually now when I hear um famous pieces of music that uh that they used to pay me about now i can remember i can remember all the melodies you can remember everything and it just stays in your brain but um so i was kind of exposed to classical music a lot and uh so after i, so I had piano lessons and um after that i in primary school um went again when the music services had more funding i was um allowed to play the cello i was given mm -hmm. a cello and i had a weekly lesson in primary school um and i played cello for years well into my time at high school when i went to high school i um um i was kind of uh, i kind of wanted to move on to a different instrument as well as playing a cello uh brass instruments always interested me so yeah. um and there was an option for me to learn to play a brass instrument and i think my mum always wanted me to play a french horn um for some reason but when i was given the option i chose a trumpet because it was it was smaller and i could carry it around and for years and years i had to take this massive cello on the bus and um i used to leave it on the bus and my parents used to have to go and pick it up from the depot and things like that but um so having a trumpet was much easier to carry around um and it was a bit cooler i think the trumpet was a bit cooler oh all steady yeah <laughs> cooler than the cello although looking back now um the cello is pretty cool isn't it i think it's pretty cool dan i used to play the double bass did you okay yeah i feel you, I feel your pain. um so yeah so for years and years i played in orchestras i, I went through the grading system the uh, associated board grading system did my grade five theory and then i went on to do uh, gcse music and then a level music um but in terms of music i think it's um in terms of my music what the sort of music that i got into um as a youngster it probably wasn't until i was about i don't know 11 12 years old that i really started paying attention to music and i think a lot of it came from just your friends that you're hanging around with yeah um and i think friendships and groups of friends have a massive influence on what sort of pathway you took with music um maybe it's, it's probably the same now i guess with, with with young people but um i remember all my friends were really into like rap music it was when like snoop doggy dog and dr dre came out and everyone loved it and we used to go to like these like, obviously birthday parties and stuff and play this sort of music and so i was really into like uh 90s rap music for for a number of years but um but I fell out with a few friends. I moved friendship groups and then I got really into like rock music and heavy metal. And my first gig um, I went to was uh, at Donington Park, Monsters of Rock in 1995, I think it was, with Metallica headlining. So that was my first kind of experience of music, at a gig, uh, a music festival. Um, and then after that, I got really into like rock music and heavy metal and we used to go up in, into into London to the Astoria or to uh, Brixton Academy and go to these like big heavy metal concerts, these big rock concerts. Um, so, and back then, I mean, I was probably only about 14, 15 years old, but we could get a ticket for like five, six pounds midweek. We used to uh, get on the tube into London, go to a gig, come back again. Um, and yeah, so, so for many years, I was, I was never really in a band or anything. I, I always wanted to 
played a guitar or um i did sort of sing in a band for a bit but um but it wasn't until like i went to university that um i really got into dance music and i i started getting interested in for example like the prodigy chemical brothers um there were some uh, rock bands heavy metal bands that did like remix albums like dance music remixes um and i was i used to always hear like dance music my my sister who's like nine years older than me um she used to go out like raving a lot in the 80s late 80s and early 90s when there was like the huge raves going along or these big illegal raves um before they brought the, the bill in to make them um, <laughs> totally legal um yeah. so um so i used to always hear illegal and then totally illegal <laughs> and then totally, yeah were, do you know what i mean yeah yeah um but then before i guess before that they weren't they weren't you didn't really have that sort of music in clubs did you it's all kind of like organized raves and so i was always get always fascinated she used to always have these flies up in her bedroom and i used to be quite fascinated by what 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 it was and um that's when dance music really started coming through in the mid 90s late yeah late 90s, yeah because yeah, it wasn't really known was it and then suddenly acid house became a mm. thing and then the wonderful acid came out like in the charts and, yeah, and it, it yeah. suddenly started going oh right that this this is a thing this yeah is... and i mean it, and it really brought people together so i think yeah. before then it was pretty i mean i don't really remember it because i was i was born in 81 and um i don't i didn't really kind of remember much of of the 80s sort of growing up snippets and that but obviously looking back it was quite a tough time for people i think yeah surviving wasn't it and working and yeah, yeah making yeah. a living um yeah. whereas the, the the rave scene dance music really brought everybody together so you used to get people from all different walks of life all different backgrounds all different nationalities would come together to these raves and everyone was everyone was one it, everyone was part of this kind of huge movement um and yeah i would kind of i got into dance music probably at the back end of that in um mid to late 90s and so yeah i went to university um at sheffield university i was based in barnsley so um and um i used to go out like i said to gatecrasher and all these kind of big super clubs and yeah. this was back in the day when they had these massive super clubs huge buildings with like four or five rooms and um a lot of them have closed down now i think the kind of that scene's moved on to kind yeah, of smaller yeah. smaller clubs or warehouses or, yeah or uh, festivals, music festivals instead. But yeah, that was my kind of real experience of um, dance music and going out clubbing. And I fell in love with it. And I was like, immediately, I want to learn how to DJ. I want to buy some decks. And um, a funny story, actually, um, how I got my first set of DJ decks. Um, one of my cousins who lives in Plymouth owns a scrapyard, car scrapyard. And one day he opened a boot of a, scrapyard, a, a, a scrap car and found it was a brass instrument in there. I had no idea what it was. Um, turned out it was a Stradivarius flugelhorn. Um, wow. Which probably worth brand new, probably about, I don't know, easily a thousand pounds. So he knew that I played the trumpet. And yeah. he was like, Daniele, would you like this instrument? I don't know what to do with it, you can have it. So I got this instrument and I didn't really play it. I was kind of, it was when I started sort of stopping playing um, yeah, yeah. musical instruments. Um, so I sold it to a friend of mine um, for about eight hundred pounds, and I bought my first set of decks with that. So, so, so that was how it kind of began. Um, and I literally bought two records and two dance music records, and then taught myself to beat match with those two records for about two weeks, going back and forth, back and forth with two records, and then I started buying more and more records, and then got into it a bit more. So, um, so that's how I kind of got into music and uh, at university. So I went to university and studied uh, creative music technology for four years, mm. uh, based in Barnsley. And 
um, learnt more about music production, learnt more about recording and, and the whole world of DJing. And this was before sort of digital DJing came out. It was all vinyl based. Yeah. Um, and obviously way before social media came out. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which was it was it was lovely back then, wasn't it, without social media and it was there was much more peaceful. <laughs> much much more peaceful, less pressure, and it was yeah. more people went out and I don't know, socialised more and it was more about just being together in the yeah. moment and um and uh, there's there's less um evidence um there's less photos of that time as well which is probably a good thing um, <laughs> yeah it's nice that yeah um that took place and um yeah and uh, that influenced my obviously my career now you could say so uh, the djing and um like i said then i went on to work and um got into teaching from there so yeah that's brilliant just to pick a few things out of there first of all i wonder um, I'm from West London and I wonder mm -hmm. how much being in the capital influences music because I think there's a lot the the music scene in in London um, has always been big and quite accessible and, and mm. as you said just being able to jump on a tube easily yeah. we didn't need to drive in the in the same way because yeah. public transport in London is so easy um, and so I, I I do wonder if that if that and the whole it's, so, it's just so multicultural the different types mm. of music that you're exposed to mm. um particularly around around london um and the second thing was um when you were saying about listening to classical music and i know you didn't use the words i had to but i think sometimes um people think they kind of have to listen to their parents music but with my 10 year old son we always argued in the car because he wanted to listen to classical music <laughs> and I wanted to listen to chart music and I'd be like please I just look it's just Bruno Mars just let me look. no no I want to listen to Elgar I was like oh this is like he was like three I was like oh crying out loud uh he now listens to Imagine Dragons as well as Brilliant. Elgar and things band. like that but um it's it's interesting isn't it and it's so mm. important because I could have said to him Seb you're a kid don't listen you don't want to listen to classical music you need to listen to you know, the stuff that your peers are listening to. But, you know, I've not got any right to do that. And no, actually, no. He, he loves classical music and the things that, I mean, he has always had such a, an ear for it. Um, and actually, he's done a little uh, podcast episode himself on the Ray's podcast. And that segues beautifully <laughs> into what you've been doing with some of your young people recently. So tell us about... Uh, about them producing their own podcasts because I'm yeah. loving that. Yeah, excellent. Um, so we, um, the Music Box, and uh, we run uh, after school clubs. So we run like a, a D I run a DJ club on a Wednesday night. Uh, we run a, a guitar club and um, a rock band project as well. And we've also run uh, a music making club. So the, the rock band project and the music making club came from a fund from the Anne McGuire Foundation. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've heard of that. Um, a, a teacher who was sad, uh, sadly um, killed in um, in her school in uh, East Leeds right. two years ago, and they set up a foundation for her because um, of her love of music and she wow. performed music and everything. So we managed to get some um, two years worth of funding to run an after school club, a rock band, a youth rock band project. We've done a couple of gigs, and the other one's a music making club. And when we first started doing it, it was more teaching young people how to produce music on. Um, sort of different pieces of technology. Yeah. Um, I bought a couple of iPads and um, it's pretty amazing actually. You give a young person an iPad and it instantly 
know what to do with it and they mm. know how to make music on it immediately and it's it's pretty remarkable um in particular garage band we used garage band and a couple yeah. of our apps but this term we've decided to and we, we kind of mentioned it last term we, we decided to um do a podcast uh podcast project this term um as the music box we're calling it um in the box and um and it's basically all of the content is created by the young people so from the introduction to the, the the jingles to segue into the different sections um the topics that they're talking about so for example we're getting them to talk about their musical influences mm. um artists bands rappers that they like um the music that they create in the club as well um we're getting that to uh, we're getting them to play that as part of the podcast and um and then yeah and then we'll teach them how to kind of edit it how to sequence it in the right order um thinking about how to present themselves and i mean some of these young people are quite shy but when it comes to like um giving them that opportunity to yeah. um to talk about a subject they really come out of their shell and yeah. they're really really keen to, to to get involved um and then eventually by the end of by the end of term um we'll we'll put it up on uh, a broadcasting platform or on uh, soundcloud or hear this at or some somewhere like that and then we can share it with their friends and family and the community to kind of show the sort of work that we do um but it's fantastic again using technology to engage young people um and it's yeah same word comes off it's very accessible yeah. and um once you kind of show them what to do and i find that a lot a lot of my work actually it's kind of once you give them the tools and, and the understanding how to use the technology yeah. yeah you kind of just leave them to it and let them explore it themselves and yeah. i find myself a lot in sessions just kind of just going around and listening to what they're doing and giving them my opinions and giving them some feedback on it and tips and tricks and things like that but um yeah it's just lovely just letting them letting them um express themselves through through the technology yeah and again it's it's that bit where you don't say no no no, you have to be an adult to do a podcast mm. you have to know or or even worse you have to know what you're doing yeah because yeah. There's no good saying to a child, well, you can't do that because you don't know what you're doing. What you need to say is, of course, you can do that. And let me show you what you need to do. And <laughs> then you can do it yourself. I wonder yeah. how much um, there's an element of control. Well, if mm -hmm. we don't teach you, then they won't know. And then we can do it and we can carry on doing what we're doing. And we don't need to worry about the younger people who often are going to end up being better than us. There's definitely yeah. a level of humility, isn't there, in, in teaching um, and watching that young person getting 50,000 likes straight away when we've mm -hmm. got 20 and going, I know, oh, right. what's that all about? That really annoys me. It's kind of, yeah. they've, got, they've got thousands of followers and they get all these likes and that, yeah. and it's like, and I'm struggling with my 200 or something yeah. like that. And it's like, um, I guess, yeah, they're, this generation of, of young people have been have been born into a world of social media and technology, yeah. whereas yeah. with um, I remember a time where it didn't exist yeah. and when the Internet was just about coming through and then going through the whole um, the years of it kind of changing and how it's really changed the world, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And even I just think, you know, five or six years ago, well, possibly kind of ten at a push for this person created the song in their bedroom. Yeah. And now everyone's creating songs in their bedroom. Yeah. It's completely normal. That's what you do. Think, um, think da Daniel, Daniel Beddingfield, or like oh, that, maybe, got to get yeah. through this track. And I was like, oh my oh, God, yeah, he so played it, 20, he, played it, it in yeah. his, in his, he made it in his bedroom. And I was like, wow. And now, now everyone does it. That's so. just what you do. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, again, it's that kind of accessible thing. Um, mm. 
we are both working in West Leeds. We're both working for the brilliant Pudsey Wellbeing charity mm-hmm. and doing some work yep. for them. Me with the choir and you with your brilliant music box sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, there's quite a big event coming up. Tell us a little bit about that, because that, even though uh, a lot of our listeners won't be Pudsey based, it's exciting yeah. to hear you know what mm-hmm. you're going to do with music in the next. Yeah, but if, even if they're Leeds based or West Yorkshire based, they can yeah. still engage with, with what we're doing yeah. and what's happening across the city this year. Yeah. So this year um, it's uh, the 2023 uh, year of culture in Leeds. Um, so the whole of the city is engaging with uh, different events and every single ward um, has been allocated uh, an anchor organisation, so like an arts-based community organisation. And we are the anchor organisation for, for the ward of Pudsey, which covers Pudsey, Swinnow <coughs> and Tyersall. And um, so for our 2023, it's called the My My Leeds Summer Project. We are putting on a festival in uh, in across the whole ward, across the different three different parts. Um, and it's all going to kind of um, end with a, a, a sort of a, a day of of music like a music festival type thing in um in pudsey park and um so that the plan is basically that from the from the 17th of july until the 21st of july we are programming a series of workshops and events uh across the area mm-hmm. ranging from uh, music-based workshops break dancing workshops uh creative writing um arts based like visual arts um, is going to be a performance from the Dramatic Society in Fulneck, school there. Um, there's going to be like an organ recital. So there's all these different things we're programming from the Monday to Friday. And then on a Saturday, we're putting on an event in Pudsey Park on a stage with uh, stalls and live music, um, including uh, your amazing Raise Your Voice Choir, who are going to participate in that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and a big part of that is uh, we are creating a song for the community, mm-hmm. uh, the song for, for Pudsey, and we're going into local schools, we're going into uh, local elderly groups, we're working with your choir to create this song, which we will then teach to as many people as possible. So anyone, we'll put it online, we'll put the lyrics online, we'll put the song up online, anyone can learn the song, so then anyone can take part. Um, and um, on the 22nd of July, we're going to do a performance of the song, um, and everyone can participate in that. So. Um, and uh, alongside that, um, other things we're doing, we did a, a geocaching Pudsey Bear Trail. Obviously, oh, Pudsey's wow, that quite sounds fun. Known for um, the yellow bear, yeah, the spotted bandage. Um, and um, so we're doing like a trail across the whole world, like a geocaching trail that people can engage in after the festival as well. Brilliant. Um, we're doing a talent contest and um and then, yeah, the main the main focus is the uh, the workshops during that week. So from the 17th of July until the 23rd of July um, and the 22nd is in Pudsey Park the 23rd is going to be down in Swinnow and in Tyersall so we're wanting to engage uh, everybody across across the whole ward um, and it's all yeah all part of a Leeds 2023 year of culture and there's loads of stuff happening all across the city we're doing a festival other people are doing uh, lots of different events um, during July and August so if, yeah if you go onto the, the Leeds 2023 website you'll be able to see all the different events um, and activities that are happening across the city. That's super, super. Okay. So, um, yeah, particularly for people in West Yorkshire, but as we've talked about with social media, it will be everywhere. So you'll be able to particularly learn the song and and, uh, get involved that way, even if you're just singing the song around your house. Mm. Um, Because we know the words are going to be really 
really good and we're excited to be uh be part of that um just for anyone that doesn't know in a nutshell geocaching just in case anyone's going what what's a geocache <laughs> Um, I've only found out about it recently, but it's Me been going too. on for years. That's, so it's that's basically what I'm asking, like, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's like a treasure hunt, really. So I think there's yeah. there's a, a, an app that you can go onto, and um, you basically follow the clues. Yeah. And then you would find it's like you find a vessel, so you find a clue, and you find whatever it is. It might be like a test tube or something hidden in a wall, and yeah. then you take it out, and then you can write your, your name on it, stuff. And some people sometimes people leave like a little gift that you can take away with you. Okay. Um, but it's basically you're collecting these um uh geocaching um uh prizes and um it's, it's like it's just like a massive treasure hunt yeah really. and you can do it all over the country if you go onto these on the apps or websites they're yeah. everywhere so. they're all they are all over aren't yeah. they now but yeah it's just one of those terms that it's just it's it's much more um in public awareness now but yeah. um, thank you yeah. <laughs> thank okay, you for doing that <laughs> um so we come to the part of the podcast where um, we just put a little challenge or something to think about out to the listeners. And I think you'll agree that um, we've talked about a lot, a lot today. Um, but I think a nice, simple but important uh, challenge or something you can do uh, having listened to this is just put a piece of music on that you like. Just, but do it, do it intentionally. Think about how it makes you feel. Does it make you dance around the kitchen? Does it make you go back to um, that time with your partner 20 years ago? Does it make you want to just sit down and think about life, the universe and everything? But do it, make time to listen to one piece of music and do it intentionally and see, see how it feels, see what it does. Because as we said, right at the top of the podcast, music is powerful I think Dan said it's life and it's love and something else forgive me for not remembering Dan <laughs> have you got anything else to add to that challenge Dan um it, it was living so it was love life and living basically. living yeah so, yeah and um yeah just listen to music um just just listen to music and um wherever you can as much as you can um listen to different music um influences a, a really good app i use is called uh, shazam i'm sure a lot, a lot of people know it and it's yeah. i always have it on my phone if you hear a piece of music you love shazam it and then it saves it and then you can listen back to it and um and yeah don't be afraid to explore different genres um or learn learn an instrument um or go out dancing to some music you've never listened to before do whatever but yeah um music is amazing so I'm preaching to the converted, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, music is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, my husband listens, he doesn't listen to Shazam, he uses it all the time. He's like, Shazam it, Shazam it, and I have to get the app out and just quickly, quick, don't, don't stop. It's like, like right back in the day when there were a, there was a piece of music on and you had to record it on your tape. Yeah. <laughs> you had to listen and wait and, yeah, really showing my age now. <laughs> okay, Um Dan, thank you. Thank you so much for everything you're doing for people in Pudsey and obviously further afield. Thank you for the accessibility with the young people and giving them somewhere to be and someone to be. Um, thank you for what you've done with our choir and just for being you. You're fab. We are coming to the end and we get to the bit where I now write an on the spot poem so just give me a moment while I get my thoughts together <clears throat> I 
Music is a universal language and it is for everyone and it is in everyone. Can you let your music breathe? Can you see what's underneath the beat, the lyrics? There's something in it just for you. Does it take you back? Does it make you think of times past or times that you simply want to last forever? Music is for you. Music is in you. Listen. There you go. Lovely, thank you. You're welcome. Dan, thank you so much for uh, this morning. Oh, you're very um, you. Is there any last things that you want to say before we finish? Uh, no, just, yeah, really appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to come on here and talk to you. Thank you. Super. Um, we're going to put um, a piece of music that you've produced. We're going to play that um, right at the end of the podcast. So do keep listening and we'll pop the things that we've talked about in the show notes, the things about the song that we're going to produce for Pudsey um, and um, the massive attack bit. We would like to try and play a bit, but if we can't, we'll pop that in the show notes as well as a link. Dan, thank you very much. No, you're welcome. Thanks, Carol. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.